0: outline that I'm using actually brother Jimmy Tony uh, wrote this in his discipleship class and I've actually taught this particular lesson a few years ago and it is just full-on like comprehensive um, notes and and scriptures on understanding forgiveness and if anybody wants a copy of this I can surely give it to them it's like it's close to 20 pages long Um, but just a, a really good Um, start to finish a comprehensive study on on forgiveness. And forgiveness is so important, amen. It's so important um, to our lives, to our Christian walk. And I just wanted to finish up this lesson um, this morning. I know in that first part I had had talked about there was a, a group, a research group who did a study and they basically went out and asked people um, basically, they had a statement and they would ask whether they would agree or disagree um, with that statement in regards to biblical uh, forgiveness and and, uh, and a lot of, a lot of how they answered was incorrect and, and the point is that there's a, there is a misunderstanding of biblical forgiveness, so we 're going to go through and just look at, look at get some insight on what the Bible teaches on Um, forgiveness and maybe some of the things that are misnomers and maybe we get confused about um, in regards to forgiveness. So we're going to start with, um, I guess, one of the statements um, that was made in this research uh, study of whether people, they would ask whether they agreed or disagreed, and one of the statements was this, you cannot honestly forgive someone unless that person shows some remorse for what they did. And they, they, asked, they, they made this statement, and the majority of people agreed with this. And of course, this is not um, a biblical perspective. So we're going to talk about this statement in regards to forgiveness and repentance. So we ask ourselves, what about those who never ask for our forgiveness? What about those who won't even acknowledge their wrongs? Should they expect to receive forgiveness from us? These are kind of legitimate questions. Um, And more importantly, should we be be required to give them forgiveness if they don't even acknowledge their wrong? So in other words, is repentance a requirement for, for uh, granting forgiveness to others? Can you honestly forgive someone who is not repentant? Um, if they're unaware that they've hurt you, they're, they're, you might be dealing with a hurt and the other person is just unaware that they hurt you. Um, if they're unmoved by the fact that they've offended you, they know they offended you, but it doesn't bother them. Can you forgive them? There's no repentance. Or they're just unwilling to admit their mistake. Um, we live in a world that is fairly unwilling to admit our own mistakes. Or that they're just unable. They're unable um, maybe just due to illness, maybe due to them being on their deathbed. They're just, either they're unaware, unmoved, unwilling, or unable um, to repent, and uh, and really, these are these are faulty arguments that people use for demanding repentance before granting forgiveness. So we like to demand repentance before we are willing to forgive, um, and that is that is not a biblical perspective. Of forgiveness, so there's some things that, uh, that we get wrong, and, and for, we, we oftentimes think that forgiveness um, needs to be earned. So you hurt me. I need something back from you in order for me to forgive you. okay So those who demand that their offender earn forgiveness. By demonstrating sorrow or are operating under the illusion that somehow their offenders repentance will be sufficient to cover the offense so we are we look for them to say I'm sorry we look for our offender to get on their knees and beg for forgiveness and then we somehow think that them doing that they have now earned our forgiveness Okay, this, is, this is something that is very natural to the flesh. Um, but the words, I'm sorry, um, they may be momentary, momentarily relief, momentary relief to a wound, but they are insufficient in themselves to affect permanent healing. And salvation is like that, right? Our salva- salvation with God. We are not saved just because we told God, I'm sorry but we are saved because he chose to forgive, okay? And we definitely did not earn this forgiveness. Okay, We, we didn't earn anything um, to be forgiven. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, nothing you did, okay? Because it is the gift of God, so there was nothing that we could do to earn the forgiveness of God, but He gave it to us. Gave it to us. So we also then shouldn't affect anybody, or shouldn't expect anybody to then earn their forgiveness from us. Okay, um, He didn't. You know, we didn't deserve to be forgiven, and that's just the, the very nature of grace. And we'll get into that. Um, Another thing is forgiving an unrepentant person, and this is why we struggle with this, forgiving an unrepentant person invites further abuse. So sometimes we are afraid to forgive because we're afraid to get hurt again. And we, we put up walls. It says, aren't those who forgive their offender... Before he expresses any remorse in effect, wearing a kick me sign, are we doing a fundamental disservice to both the offender and ourselves by forgiving his sin without at least waiting for a sincere apology? okay And the truth of it is is when we offer grace and we forgive we do put ourselves at risk and it's just it's 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 a risk that is worth taking okay so what is being overlooked with this kind of thinking is the very nature of grace itself because grace is a deliberate decision to give something good to someone who doesn't deserve it That's what grace is. We give it even though they don't deserve it. So grace then then invites abuse. Because grace can be abused. Um, and, And God granted grace to us. He was willing to take the risk with us. And if we're all honest, there's probably been a time or two in our walk with God where we abused grace but he took the risk and offered us something we didn't deserve okay so it sort of invites abuse but it's it's up to us whether we abuse his gift of forgiveness or not and it's also up to our offender whether he abuses our forgiveness towards him God offered it to us and it's up to us whether we're going to abuse it or not So when we offer forgiveness to somebody, it's up to them whether they abuse it or not. But we still have to offer it, just as God did. God took the risk. Romans 5 and 20, if you could pull that up. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So sin abounded, but grace showed up. Amen. I'm sure thankful that God took the risk on me. <laughs> I didn't deserve it. There was nothing I did to earn it. I was my heart was desperately wicked. I was full of sin, full of, uh, full of uh, evil in my heart, and God took the risk on me and offered me grace, okay? And that's how we are to be to those who have offended us. That's how we are to be when we are offering forgiveness. Even though you forgive somebody, You could be, it could be abused. You could be hurt again. You could be offended again. But you do have to continuously forgive, amen? Forgiving an unrepented person is unscriptural, okay? And this is a, that's a false statement. Forgiving an unrepentant person is unscriptural. So there's an argument that people make, um, about uh, demanding repentance, demanding an apology um, in order to forgive before forgiveness is offered. Um, And they say that it seems that the Bible requires this. After all, if God requires us to acknowledge our sin before he forgives us, and we are to forgive others in the same way God has forgiven us, then shouldn't we require our offender to repent before we forgive them, this seems logical, right? It seems logical. Okay? But this kind of thinking fails to note an important distinction. Okay? That there is a crucial, there's a big difference between receiving forgiveness and granting forgiveness. Okay, there's a big difference between receiving it and granting it. And the issue of repentance is vitally important to receiving forgiveness. Okay, so if we wanted to receive forgiveness from God, we had to come to a point of repentance to receive it. But it's totally irrelevant to granting forgiveness. Okay, so in other words, repentance is required for the offender. But it's not always required by the offended. Okay? God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were all yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ offered us forgiveness before we asked for it. Before we repented... God offered it because he was the offended party, okay? We sinned against him, but we must repent before we can receive that forgiveness because we are the offending party, amen? Does that make sense? That that there's a difference between granting it and receiving it. So when we, when we offer forgiveness to somebody, it's up to them to receive it. It's up to... Th- so God offers it to us. He, he died for everybody on a cross. His blood was shed for everybody. Okay? But it's, us, it's up to us individually to receive it, okay? And not everybody receives it because not everybody is willing to repent. What did did John the Baptist come preaching? Repent. Turn to God. Turn from your sin. Turn from your wicked ways. So repentance is the doorway to receiving God's forgiveness. So when we when we take this into real life for for in our own situations we offer forgiveness and whether they repent or not it's up to them. That's the difference between granting it and receiving it. The best reason to forgive is the emotional and spiritual healing it brings into your life. So often when people think about forgiveness they think about what it's going to do for somebody else Um, what they don't realize is that forgiveness is really an act of self-interest we're doing ourselves a favor when we cut ourselves loose from being an emotional victim of somebody else's wrong okay forgiveness really does a whole lot for us it looses us from the wrong of somebody else, okay? It loses us uh, from being a victim of somebody else's wrong. So whether our offender repents or not is between them and God. So don't let their wrong become an issue between you and God. All right, so one of the other statements made in this study was, if you really forgive someone, you would want that person to be released from the consequences of their actions. And most of the people that were asked to agree or disagree agreed with this. Um, But again, it's not completely biblical. So one of the greatest barriers to forgiveness is the myth that forgiving somebody, someone automatically frees them from any consequences of their actions. Um, This is a, a misunderstanding that makes many people hesitate to forgive or condemns them to a lifetime of unnecessary bitterness. So here's a few examples. What about the church treasurer who is caught embezzling funds from the weekly offerings? If he publicly confesses and pays the money back, then shouldn't the church restore him to his position if they have really forgiven them? Okay. What about the husband who had an affair and broke up his marriage If his wife has really forgiven him, shouldn't she quit making him pay for his mistake over and over again by demanding child support each month? So what about the murderer who gets saved on death row? If the the victim's family has truly forgiven him for his crime, shouldn't they be petitioning the courts for his release from jail? Have they really forgiven him if they want his sentence to still be carried out? What about the Christian who has become involved in an immoral relationship, but has now repented? If the church leadership demands that he prove himself before being involved in ministry, isn't that demonstrating an unforgiving spirit? The deal is, is there's still consequences to our sin. There's still things we gotta deal with. Um, the same dilemma lies behind each of these scenarios, Does forgiveness automatically erase the consequences of the sin? Have I truly forgiven somebody if at the same time I insist that they be held accountable for their actions? The answer to this dilemma is found in an important distinction between two different words. And those words are vengeance and justice. These are two different things and they're, they're both scriptural Vengeance is my desire to see another person suffer for the pain he has caused me. The Bible consistently warns against harboring this kind of feeling in our hearts. Vengeance is scriptural, but it's not scriptural for us. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Paul says, don't try to get even with your offender. Don't seek vengeance. God is the one who will repay. He will take care of it. Vengeance is the Lord's. So scriptural vengeance is only God's vengeance. Okay? So we have vengeance, and then there's justice. Justice is the payment a God or society might demand from someone because of a wrong they have committed against us or against society as a whole. While we are to avoid vengeance, the Bible does teach us to seek justice for those who have been wronged. Isaiah 1 and 17 says, Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless and plead for the widow. The Bible does tell us to seek justice for those who have been oppressed, for those for the rights of the widows. Um, God says that I am to surrender my desire for vengeance, but I can never surrender society's responsibility to seek justice. Um, justice is, is, is a godly thing. Um, we, we understand that the, the Bible teaches in addition to God, the government and the church are both able to administer justice in our society. Um, God deals with us in the same way. When God forgives us, he removes the eternal consequences of our sins. Amen? Amen but not necessarily the temporary consequences of our actions, okay? One one gentleman said it this way, if I sin and in the process of sinning I break my arm, when I find forgiveness from sin, I still have to deal with a broken arm, okay? You pound a nail on a board, you pull the nail out, there's still a hole there, okay? So there's still consequences to our sins I'm just I'm worried about those eternal consequences that God forgives and and whatever I got to deal with here on this earth God will help me through it amen so if you're struggling with hurts inflicted by somebody else release your desire for vengeance okay release those thoughts of vengeance and let God deal with it. God will do a much better job taking care of it than you will. Okay, and you don't have to destroy yourself seeking vengeance when you put it in God's hands. Okay, so give those, give that up to God and let God pursue justice in the situation. I believe that uh, you know you reap what you sow. Okay. Well, I, I've, for some reason, the last couple of years, or maybe even just this year, I've every like every decision. I'm like, well, you reap what you sow. What goes around comes around. I I have that circling through my mind with every decision. Okay. So I don't know why I just said that. I said that in regards to something here. Anyways, just give it to God. Okay. Just let God take care of it. Um, If you desire forgiveness, don't be discouraged over the lingering consequences of your sin. Sometimes you've sinned and you're you're hoping to have to be forgiven for that sin, but the things that you've done just keep rolling around in your mind and you can't can't free yourself from it. Um, But don't uh, so if you desire this, don't be discouraged over the lingering consequences of your sin. Instead, view them as a gift designed to keep you close to God. Sometimes we have these things, these consequences that we have to deal with, and, and we wish we could free ourselves from the consequences as well. But sometimes God just uses these consequences um, to keep us close to him. Okay, so there is a difference between vengeance and justice, Okay? And when you have those thoughts rolling in your mind, just give it to God and let God have His perfect way, His perfect justice in the situation. You can't, you shouldn't seek vengeance yourself because you'll destroy yourself seeking for vengeance. The third statement made in this research study was if you genuinely forgive someone, you should rebuild your relationship with that person. And most people agreed with that, but that's not always scriptural either. So we talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. They are two separate things, forgiveness and reconciliation. So if we're, what if someone is hesitant to offer forgiveness to their offender because they have no desire to reestablish a relationship with them? So sometimes we hold back forgiveness because we think if we forgive, we then immediately have to rebuild and restore this relationship with them. And that's not true. That's not true. The Bible teaches that reconciliation, okay, reconciliation is important. Okay, it's important because we do believe in unity, among the believers, okay? We believe in, 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 in not having division and all that sort of thing. The Bible records in Matthew 5 and 23, it says, therefore, if thou bring the gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. So the Bible does record that reconciliation is a good thing. Like, and we should, that should be on the docket. Like, that should be something that we should strive for. But it doesn't always immediately happen. And sometimes it does not happen. Okay? Psalms 133 and 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So we believe in unity. We believe in reconciliation. Reconciliation. And the Bible teaches that it's important. But with one major condition on reconciliation, he says, well, you can unilaterally forgive another person. That's up to you to forgive that person. You cannot unilaterally be reconciled to the offender. Okay? Forgiveness depends on me. And reconciliation depends on us. Okay, so forgiveness is all in my court. Completely. Reconciliation takes two to play in the same court. Okay, so you can forgive without there ever be any reconciliation. Now, of course, when you forgive, you are hoping for reconciliation, okay? But it's going to be up to both parties for that to happen. Reconciliation is preferred, but it's not always possible because there are two parties who are have to be taken into consideration. The Bible says in Romans 12, 18, it says, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. Be reconciled, if at all possible. Be reconciled with your brother, if at all possible. But it may not be possible. So all you can do is your part and forgive. Amos 3 uh, says, "Well, I can express my desire for reconciliation in a relationship, I cannot demand it. If, if only... Both parties agree it can be achieved. Even if someone has truly forgiven me for hurting them, it still may take a great deal of time and effort to rebuild the fractured relationship. And that's another thing: like that, that other party might be willing, but it's gonna. Sometimes it just takes time. Healing is a process, and and if there was an offense that happened between two parties and there was forgiveness, reconciliation may be done over a period of years. And I I believe that's okay, as long as we're heading in the right direction. It's not always gonna happen just instantaneously. Um, Reconciliation involves three ingredients. It involves repentance, admitting that we are responsible for the wrong that has been done to others. It involves restitution, offering some type of compensation to the person We have wronged for the loss and rehabilitation demonstrating a change in our behavior over a period of time toward the person we have wronged so there is a process of of rehabilitating a relationship sometimes when there has been an offense and a hurt reconciliation doesn't happen instantaneously That is why the offenders are wrong to demand immediate restoration and why the offended are unwise to offer it. Proper healing in a relationship takes time. Amen? Sometimes it just takes time. And that's okay. Just stay close to God. Let God work things out. And sometimes we sometimes want to You know, something happens between you and somebody else, there was a hurt, you forgave them, and you just want everything to be back to normal the next day. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes it just takes some time to restore that and rehabilitate that relationship. The fourth statement made in regards to uh, uh, biblical forgiveness is if you really have forgiven someone you should be able to forget what they have done to you. Okay, we've all heard forgive and forget. Okay, we probably have all said that. Um, But it's really an unscriptural way to forgive. Um, Forgetting is not a test of genuine forgiveness. Okay, attempting to force oneself to forget a hurt oftentimes simply results in bitterness or guilt because we continue to remember in spite of ourselves. So, so you know, that, that hurt comes to memory and, we, and we, we, it comes to our mind and then we start questioning ourselves whether we've really forgiven or not. So we may struggle with this on, on either side of the for, forgetting issue. Um, if God really has really for, has forgiven me, why do I keep remembering my sin? Okay, maybe I haven't genuinely repented, and this is this uh, can turn into condemnation pretty easily, where you remember the things of the past and the things that you've done, and and uh, you you doubt whether God has forgiven you, you doubt whether you've really come to repentance, and you start to doubt your salvation. And this is, a, this is really a ploy of the enemy. The other side of it is, is if, I've, if I've really forgiven my offender, why can't I forget what they did to me? Because I haven't genuinely forgiven him. Maybe I haven't genuinely forgiven them. So these questions come about because we remember. We remember these hurts. Um, and we, we ask ourselves, doesn't, for, doesn't God forget our sins? And isn't his forgiveness of us a model for our forgiveness to others? So we read a scripture in Jeremiah 31 and 34. It says, it says uh, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And I'm thankful. Like Wait, we, we we say this all the time, think God doesn't even remember my sin. He's forgot about it. He's cast it as far as from the east is from the west. Amen. So do we use this as a model for our forgiveness and forgetting to others? So the idea here in this scripture is that it's not that God cannot remember, okay? It's that he chooses not to remember. He has literally chosen not to remember our sins. And just remember, he's God, and he can do this, okay? He also understands that we're human, okay? And we have a memory, and we have a mind Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 tells us that Christians will have uh, their deeds, um, their works, both good and bad, evaluated at the judgment seat of Christ. That our deeds, good and bad, will be evaluated. That means that God will obviously remember our bad deeds in in a literal sense, but he will not remember them in a judicial sense, okay? He has chosen to eternally erase the consequences of actions that we have repented of. So when he evaluates our lives at the end of this, our, good, our deeds, good and bad, he, so in a literal sense, he remembers all of our deeds. But when it comes to the eternal consequences, when it comes to the to being judged in a judicial sense, those deeds that we've repented of are under the blood and he doesn't remember them. Okay? So to put that into, into real life, you know, we if we've been hurt, we've been offended, we forgive. Okay, we we forgive them. And then uh, Time goes by and we remember what was done to us. We remember the offense. And I think, I think where God really wants to bring us to is that we don't hold, we remember the offense, but in that moment, we're no longer holding them. Um, we're not holding them, um, we're not holding it against them anymore in a judicial sense. Because we've, re- we, 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 when true forgiveness has happened, we've released them from what they've done. So we remember it, but are we holding them, holding it against them in our minds? I think that's the difference, uh, and I don't think we should continue to to think about these things. It's not something that we should uh, that we should dwell on. And we all know we, we dwell on old past hurts and, and uh, our imagination can kind of go wild if we're honest with ourselves. But when that thought comes to mind, the best thing to do is say, I don't hold that against them no more. I've already forgiven them from that offense. Romans 4 and 7 says, saying, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen. It comes a point where God, he he, he chooses to forgive and to forget our sins in that judicial sense and no longer hold it against us. So forgetting is a function of the brain, but forgiving is a function of the spirit, okay? And our human mind and our brain is is capable of of storing uh, memories after memories. He wrote here, he says, our brain is capable of storing at least 600 memories a second. That's 1.5 trillion bits of information in a 75 year lifespan. Although we may not able to recall certain events in our life, those experiences are nevertheless permanently recorded in our memory and could resurface at any time. Thus, any time we encourage someone to forget an event, we're asking them to do the impossible. In fact, struggling to forget a past event can have just the opposite effect, searing the thought more deeply in our memory. So forgetting offenses is, is not humanly possible. Okay, so we don't need to feel guilty for remembering an offense but it's what we do with the memory it's what we do with that memory what, what's going on in our mind are we dwelling on it are we seeking vengeance are we are we still uh, are we still just um, angry about it or are we saying all right i remember that boy i wish that wouldn't have happened however i've forgiven them i've released them from this off- offense Remembering our past failures um, can actually be all right. Like sometimes we look back and we look at what God has brought us through. We look at, we can look back and, and we, can, we can see the healing hand of God in our lives. Now I'm not saying look back with lust. I'm not saying look back with hurt. I'm saying sometimes we can look back and we can see the hand of God working in our lives. We can, we can look back at a hurt that God healed. We can look back at an offense that we did when we hurt somebody and how God changed our heart. So sometimes those, to, to completely forget those things, um, I don't think would be profitable either. But we can look at them, and we can see what God has done in our lives. So how can I handle memories of a past hurt? Number one, do not cultivate the memories. Do not dwell on them. Do not uh, you know, sit there in bed at night thinking about these things. You're gonna, you know, there's times where these things will come to mind, and you're going to have to uh, say a prayer. You're going to have to ask God to help you. To, the Bible says that what's over things, think on these things, what's over pure and righteous and holy There are sometimes these things will come to mind, and you're going to have to just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Okay, you're going to have to just look to Him as opposed to cultivating these memories. And God will help you. Can I tell you, God will help you with that. God can can heal the heart. Uh, Don't recall your own failures. Sometimes we're, we're just extremely hard on ourselves and we, we've failed, we've offended people, we've hurt people, and we don't think that we're worthy of forgiveness, okay? There's a, and that's, a, that's another ploy of Satan. Don't ever think that you're not worthy enough of God. No matter what you've done, God, God's grace is sufficient for you, okay? You are worthy of him. Remember your decision to forgive. Sometimes you just got to go back and be like, I forgave them. I gave them, I I gave this up. I'm not owning this no more, okay? And realize that healing memories takes time. Sometimes there's just a process of time that God will bring you through to give you victory over this. You guys have all heard of uh, Corey Ten Boom. She was the author of the the book Hiding Places. And um, she had been unable to forget um, the things that were committed against her while she had been a prisoner of the Nazis in a concentration camp during World War II. And for years, she was even robbed of sleep just thinking about the events that happened to her. She finally sought counsel from a pastor. And he said this He said, Up in that church tower is a bell which is rung by pulling on a rope. But do you know what? He said, after they let go of the rope, the bell keeps on swinging. First ding, then dong. And slower and slower until there's a final dong and it stops. The same thing is true of forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, We mustn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bell slowing down. But once the force or your will has gone out of them, the thoughts will diminish in frequency and intensity. So he said, let go of the rope. And you do this through forgiveness. Sometimes we just, well, not sometimes. We just have to let go of the rope. And God will help you with this. Amen. God will help you with this. And uh, I believe that really the key to understanding forgiveness in Scripture is when you just realize that that God forgave you. And you didn't deserve it. And when I begin to think about that, it makes it easier for me to forgive others. Amen. It's, it makes it easy for me when I look at the great grace of God. It makes it easier for me to be graceful with others. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. So this is just some, some insight on forgiveness and and I, you know, the, the, the truth of it is, is life is not fair. There, are, there is hurt. There is pain. And uh, there's experiences that some go through that others don't. But the truth of it is, is we've all been hurt. We've all been offended. And God has, um, has given us a way to forgive. He's given us a way to to let go of that rope. Amen. And it truly will lead you to a life of freedom. Amen. What if we could just pray this morning. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just touch every man, woman, and child in this place today. God, we thank you, Lord, for forgiving us, God, for, for offering us forgiveness of sins, God, while we were yet sinners. God, I pray that every everybody in this room today, God, would be able to forgive those who have trespassed against them, God, Lord, that you would help them, God, in getting over past hurt and past pain, God, that we would let go, God, of the rope, God, through forgiveness. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that your spirit, oh God, would flow into this place today. God, that you would just have your hand upon this church. God, that we would not harbor bitterness. God, that we would not harbor past feelings and hurts. But God, that we would let go of it, God. Lord, that we would just let you take care of justice. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would have your way in this place today. God, we love you today. We magnify. Can we just talk to him this morning? Jesus, I love you. God, I thank you today, God, for the opportunity to be together in this place. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for what you did on Calvary. God, that blood that you shed for us. God, the opportunity you've given us today, God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name. Amen.